one of you is the monster. Monster? We're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are... A Very British Horror. Yes, we are. Today we're talking about a TV special called The Stone Tape, which was made in the early 1970s by the BBC, and which is very notable because it was written by Nigel Neal. Of Quatermass fame, for those who don't know him. Yes, indeed. Um, it was quite an interesting little film, this. Yeah. Uh, because in, in the early, well, late 60s onwards, really, the BBC had a really nice tradition of ghost stories, probably starting with the um, the omnibus special uh, with Michael Horden, Whistle, and yep. uh, I'll Come to you. Whistle and I'll Come to You. And um, there are various attempts then through the 70s to make really creepy ghost stories. And the stone tape uh, was quite a left-field go at this, I think. Yeah. I think it was made, correct me if I'm wrong, whilst the um, Ghost Story for Christmas series was also in production. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so this is something that was sort of running in parallel to it. Although I think this actually formed one of the, it was actually shown on Christmas Day as, yeah. as part of that, I think. Ah, yes. So, um, and it's a very noble tradition. I love the Emma Jones adaptions. I, I, I love um, uh, Signalman and a lot of the stuff they did in the, 70s, and then I also love the the modern revivals that, that crop up occasionally, even the bad ones, <laughs> like the John Hurt whistle, and I'll come to you. <laughs> but I enjoy them anyway. But this, the Stone Tape, I'd actually never seen until we decided to watch it for this podcast. Uh, yeah, I was actually quite shocked by that because I hadn't seen it either, which is quite bizarre. Both being a firstly horror British horror fans, hence what we're doing now, and also um, being fans of Nigel Neal and a lot of his works. So it did seem a bit odd that neither of us had seen it. But, but to, to be fair, it, it's, it was quite difficult to get hold of on DVD. I think there was a BFI release mm. about a year or two, two years back. No, 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 the the, the, the BFI release was about 10 years ago. But the, was it? It, it, it very, very quickly went out of print, I think, like a lot of the BFI ones. Yeah, that's right. You ended up having to pay silly amounts, sort of £50, pounds. £50 to, to get a copy. Although um, I think it subsequently come out, um, a different companies released a sort of vanilla version. Yes, with Ghostwatch yeah, um, as well, which... It's also well worth watching. Yes, which um, we may cover later on. But the interesting thing about Stone Tape is it, 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 it was made quite a long time after Quatermass and um, Nigel Neal's flirtation with cinema was, was over by the, the, this time. So it's really not from the period that we know him best for. Um, and, and I think it, um, I was reading that he was quite disillusioned uh, with the BBC by this time. It's one of the last things he did with them. I think he jumped ship to ITV in the end. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is quite interesting and why Quatermass, um 4 was actually on ITV um, but um, some other things that I thought were interesting um, was the location, it's a wonderful um, location that they chose for this I mean, a creepy old house but really nicely done and um, inspired I understand by 
Nigel Neal's visit to the BBC, is it the sound effects, special effects centre? Um, no, it's actually, what it is, it's a, a, a research ah. facility. So what they do um, is look into various technologies and um, new sound and broadcasting technologies and different ways of doing doing stuff. It's actually based not too far from where we are, which is um, a place called Lower Kingswood. Wow. And it's called Kingswood Warren. And the interesting fact is I once went for a job interview there. And I can see exactly this would have been this would have been in the late nineties, but I think it was it was still very very um, old fashioned even then. You know, you were you'd went up the long drive to the house and were greeted by by a BBC guy in uniform with a peak cap, who then opened the barrier for you to go in. And again, you wandered into this very old old mansion house so tremendously evocative yeah so i can totally understand how um how how nigel neil got the the location and also probably some of the characters um well it's interesting because although in the stone tape it's not a television research facility it is a research facility for a big electronics company uh, yes ryan electronics um and um, yeah, Ireland, obviously well known for its uh, electronics business. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and um, the the atmosphere it conjured up in in this, um, in, or I call it a film in this film, it, it is quite reminiscent of what you say. So I think uh, Neil was obviously drawing on his experiences, but obviously yeah. he make making it creepy. Um, now, while we've been talking about Quatermass, um, I think there's a really great counterpoint here mm. between um, the stone tape and Quatermass and the pit. Okay. Because the stone, the, I mean, the, the plot of the, the stone tape is that they they move into this research facility. They're they're working on some new kind of recording medium. They're trying to develop for their massive international Irish um, electronics conglomerate. And, um, um, the uh, server room, essentially, the room the room they've put aside for all the computers, um, is haunted. And so the builders won't renovate yep. it. And they go in and they find the ghost and they go, well, hey, we're scientists, let's investigate this. Yep. And um, they come up with this theory that it's a uh, recording. Um, that the the ghost is actually the image of a, uh, a, a woman that was recorded into the stone, and it's just being played back over and yeah. over and over again. <clears throat> so, I think that's quite interesting because it's quite a scientific uh, look at ghosts, and, and, it, and it is actually is actually a, a genuine theory about ghosts as well. So, it's not just something you made up. Um, there's quite a lot. In fact, if you um, do a search for stone tape on, on the internet, you do come across lots of sites that have um, recordings of of things in stone, and mostly it's a lot of noise and stuff. But it's a genuine phenomena and something that a theory that people do research. And it predates the. Yeah, it, yeah it, it goes back. I, I don't know quite know how far it goes back, but it's a similar. It's a theory that's that, that's been around for a while before this was on. So he clearly, obviously, well, it's, it's interesting took that as the basis for Sort it. of pseudo-scientific explanation for uh, a phenomena that 
um, in the stone tape is very clear. They all mm. they, well, they, actually, some characters can see the ghost, some can only hear the ghost, yeah. some don't get anything, which is quite interesting as well. Um, There's the one guy that doesn't see it at all, who they use as almost like the control yeah, it's, it's in, in there, which is quite... But quite in, in quite sort of scientific method being sort of shown in, in, in the story, which is quite interesting. Yes, um, yeah, I mean, very, very much the, 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 the control, the, the characters actually fit very neatly into a classic scientific experiment, which is, yeah. which is in, in, interesting. But yeah. getting back to Quatermass and the pit for a second, that's a scientific explanation of um, the paranormal as well, because... Yeah. Well, science fiction explanation because they, in Quatermass and the Pit, the devil is basically explained in terms of these aliens who uh, were trying to colonise the Earth with the uh, genetically modified apes, yes. <laughs> and, um, and and at the end there's a massive devil which they have to fight, <clears throat> which is very um, sort of striking supernatural imagery. But the explanation for it being there is completely scientific. Yeah. Now. Uh, I find that interesting, and and, and also the, the earlier scenes in Quatermass in the pit, where the um, the policeman is getting terrified as he takes mm. the, uh, the the Quatermass um, uh, to the haunted house, the empty yeah, haunted house. Yeah. So so um, well, the, the the other bit, the other parallel you've got there as well is the um, there's a scene in the stone tape where the uh, I, I, country farm character i don't know if he ever gets a name but he they, they i think they meet him earlier on i know the guy in there and they bring him into the room because he he mucked around in the, the house when he was a, a boy and um he he basically just completely freaks out and uh, and starts going a bit doolally and i think that's um that's very similar to the character in Quatermass in the pit that, that that's drilling in the in the capsule that that also Oh, the wonderful Duncan Lamont in yes, the film version. in the film version, it's yeah. Duncan Lamont who then freaks out and then all the weird stuff happens. And yeah. It, it, yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. Um, yeah, so I think I think they're definite parallels, but I think the important difference is the stone tape goes away from science. Yes. So, um, and here's a bit of a spoiler warning for you. Um, the explanation for the phenomena is far darker than it's yeah. just a recording. Yeah. In fact, it's all—it's almost a trap, which yeah. I like. Yeah. I like that a lot. So and and um, yeah. The well, it, it, I, I got from that. I thought there was quite. Um, I what, what I got from that was that it was—it's almost like there's this dark thing lurking way below the surface, a bit Lovecraftian, really. That kind of notion that there's there's something lurking there and the more you investigate and the deeper you go in the more you you're likely to release this 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 horror and the explanation and for what it is is completely well deliberately vague yeah. someone goes on about oh seven thousand years old or something but, yeah. and, but and you don't you, you do see it but it's very insubstantial at yeah the, at the end. i mean it's it's I mean, it's not amazingly well realized but you can see what but, the idea was. yeah but you almost get the impression i think that it actually wants wants needs to to almost like feed on on somebody recreating those, those similar events oh, because obviously jill jumping where hair jill obviously at the end re replicates that's jane ash's character she she replicates what happens 
to the previous person that's going up the stairs, the falling down. Absolutely. And absolutely. it's almost like that, that thing that's lurking beneath there needs needs those spirits or needs that recording or that whatever it is. Yeah. Um, which is which, which is a very powerful idea, yeah. I, I thought. Like I say, um, maybe a little bit too vague, but... But, 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 but the see, ending but is very see, nice. But where, seats, where, yeah. where, 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 unfortunately, Jill died, and then her ghost appears at the end, yeah. and, and that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, but it it, it completely um, suits suits what it was made for. So it completely suits the 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 setting of the ghost story at Christmas idea. Um, I think if you'd explained away that ending, and it's quite it's quite interesting because an hour in, it, it, it seems like it's all been explained and it's done and dusted, and then there's this this last half hour which ramps up the the weirdness a bit more. Um, yeah, and and you think I think Nigel Neal is, is sort of moving away from the uh, from the, from science fiction and from the purely yeah. scientific explanations and and. Um, uh, I remember, I remember really loving the adaptation of the Woman in Black he did in the the eighties, right. um, which is now incredibly difficult to get hold of on account of being, I think, basically suppressed in favour of the Hammer, the, the Neo Hammer movie. Yeah. Um, but he he did a really creepy version of, of the Woman in Black, yeah. and um, of course, there's no scientific. Rationalization. There's no explanation. That's an evil spirit. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he also did um, a TV series for ITV called Beasts, which was an anthology series. He he did of six different stories, all of which have vaguely paranormal um, sort of plot lines to them and and incidents in them that aren't explained. Again, they're not explained by science. They're they're purely paranormal. So I think, yeah, you're right. He was moving away from that that sort of thing. And and um, it leads me to my great question about Nigel Neal. Is Nigel Neal a horror writer? Could we consider him to be a horror writer? He's most famous for science fiction, but do you think, he, you know, obviously, I think... You could also say he's a horror writer. Yes, I, I mean he obviously worked a lot for Hammer, but the Quatermass Experiment is a horror film. Yeah, it's a horrible body yeah. horror film. Yeah, um, and and then Quatermass in the Pit has all the trappings of a horror film. Yeah, and then after after that with the, the Stone Tape and Woman in Black, it's just well, I, I think he, I think he, well. yeah, I think he uses a lot of um, the, the the horror. Um, Devices, devices of horror films and horror in general, to to ramp up that 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 atmosphere and that that creepiness, and then and then there is a sort of science fiction element to it, but it, it, he does use the, the the language of horror films to to make that point. And, and um, with, with with Hammer as well as the Quite a Mass movies, he did a film called The Witches, which is an yes. interesting sort of pseudo. Well, not so. It's, it's, it is a hammer horror. It's a pure hammer horror, but it's. Um, I mean, it's not like one of their Dracula's, but it is, it is quite interesting. So I'm going to say yes, Nigel Neal, horror writer. Yes. Um, um, can I just say while we're on, the, while we're also on touching on the subject of it being like something else, I think it shares a lot in common with the 1963 film The Haunting, 
oh, the yes. Robert Wise film, yeah. which again is about a group of scientists that are brought together to investigate haunted house. Okay, they're not invest, they're not primarily in the stone tape investigating the haunting, but they decide to using scientific methods. And the haunting is very like that. They're using scientific methods. That's a, it's a tremendous um, film, The Haunting. I yeah. particularly like Catherine Cita Jones's performance. I'm joking, right. I'm joking. Get out. That's the yeah, awful CGI <laughs> remake, I know. <laughs> um, but yes, no, I think, it, I think it shares a lot in that. And it even really reminded me of it right from the very beginning where Jill is driving up to the house and she's having those those kind of sort of weird telepathic moments where she's psychically picking up bits and then there's the, the trucks and stuff. It, it reminded me very much of the opening of The Haunting, in which... Um, I, I can see. Yeah. I hadn't seen it before, the, but the, I the, now the, see... The, one of the female characters also is sort of psychically sensitive, is driving to the house. There, there's a voiceover on that, which there isn't in the stone tape, but it's still a very similar sort of scene. Mm. And it really did remind me of that from, from the very beginning. I, I, and of course, the other thing it reminds me of, but this is probably entirely deliberate as this came afterwards, was um, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Yeah, I mean, John Carpenter's famous for his unreciprocated love of Nigel yes. Neal, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> I think you'll find that um, <laughs> Prince of Darkness is written by a, a certain Martin Quatermass, who yeah. is John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so... We talked a lot about Nigel Neal, but I think I'd like to talk about some of the other people involved. Because it's actually quite surprising, the array of talent. I mean, yeah, we've got Jane Asher as, as the heroine. Yep, who we've already mentioned once in our podcasts. Yes, uh, fresh <laughs> from the Mask of the Red Death <laughs> a few years before. Yeah, here, here she is again, equally good. I do like Jane Asher. I don't like her character so much in this. I've got a kind of feeling mm. that, that, to modern sensibilities, she's a bit of um, a under, she's a bit underwritten. I mean, yeah. uh, I, th- I think um, uh, it's before. Well, there's a lot. There's a few things in this film that that, that are troubling. One, one is a slightly sexist depiction of the women. Yeah. I mean, her character's at least like a computer expert, but I think the only other. But it's not really sort of. Even that. She's still so basically hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> so even that, yeah. You're told she's a computer brilliant with, her, with the computer and can do all these whizzy things, which we do sort of see in the form of her typing frantically on a keyboard. Um, but we, we, it's almost like we have to be told that that's the case because otherwise she is just a hysterical woman. Yeah. So I, I didn't really like that. I think um, it would have been interesting actually if that if because she clearly has the the most almost has that most more of a psychic uh, attunement to to what's going on in the house than any of the other characters. Um, it would have been interesting to have had one of the male characters in that role, and perhaps picking up on that. Because again, that's almost a bit like, oh, women aren't they sensitive and and delicate, and oh, they can pick up on all these things, and well, and got which a, again is a little bit, and of course, a little bit although, although there had been a a major soci sociological revolution in the sixties, Nigel Neal predates that. Yeah, he's most famous for his work in the fifties, and maybe his attitudes are getting a little dated, even by the early seventies. And yeah. although it was probably Fine, no one batted an eyelid then. 
now you think, oh, I don't really like that, and uh, there's quite a bad instance of racism it, 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 with the, the guy who does a terrible impression of someone Japanese and beat with yeah. false teeth. And, oh God! Yeah, um, I have to. I did did cringe a little bit at that, definitely. I, I mean. I don't know. Some of these things are sort of dramatically justifiable, and you could say, well, you know, maybe he would have been racist in the early seventies, yeah. all blokes together, kind of thing. We have to remember, yeah. racism was fine in the seventies. Well, I was I, all right. No, that's <laughs> uh, that's that, that's absolutely <laughs> true. But I, I think um, society's kind of moved away from. Um, I'm not going to say Nigel Neal's position on this sort of stuff, but the film's position is yeah. it's, it's a yeah. bit. Yeah, it's a bit old-fashioned in in in, in some ways, um, but you know, Jane Asher does a does a great job with you know not the greatest material. Yeah, and um, the hero or anti-hero. Yes, um, Michael Bryant as Peter Brock. Yeah, I love Michael Bryant. He was amazing in the Ghost Story for Christmas, The Treasure of Abbot Thomas. Oh, okay, playing a. M- Although um, pretty much made at the same time, he plays a much older character, right. and um, it took me uh, it took me a good while to realise they were the, it was it was him it was him because because he he's he's playing it with like uh, as a young as a, well sort of early middle aged um, in 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 the same tape and it's um, a really good performance. I really like Michael Bryan, mm. and um, I've also got the the new um, Ghost Stories for Christmas disc with them. Some M.R. James readings. That right. He, he, the, 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 there's some Robert Powell ones, but also some Michael Bryant ones, and they're great as well. I think he he's kind of. Well, I think he was a. Uh, he did make some films, but I think he's best known for this kind of TV, yeah. and he's fantastic. Yeah, no, he, his character is really good in that he was. Um, he was a complete bastard, basically, in it. Um, yeah, which quite was, driven. I, it, it took me a while to tweak that. Oh, and does he does a, an Irish accent a few times? Oh, he does. Yeah, pretty. You know, you know <laughs> I, I I don't think that would go down too well with an actual Irish person. <laughs> yeah, um, but it took me a little while to tweak that him and and Jane Asher's character were they involved? I was I never quite in sh- sure. I, I, I got I, the I, feeling it was it was sort of. I think I think they were supposed to be having an affair, but it was a very genteel depiction. Again, yeah, more of a depiction from the. 50s than the 70s because by the early 70s you could just say we're having an affair yeah um but 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 it was never very very kind of explicitly mentioned that that's what they were ha- no, doing it's it much was, more obvious it was a bit more bit more subtle and then, um, then he's obviously with the secretary he's obviously the banging the secretary at the end yeah yeah when when jane ash is too hysterical and um, and, and ridiculous, but it, but it, uh, he he did a fantastic performance when he was doing his his phone voice whenever his wife called up, um, okay. and you could, you could tell that he was generally disinterested in in uh, there was lots of talk about a pony or something, and and firstly he couldn't remember the pony's name, and secondly you could tell he was obviously very disinterested, but he did this very different voice, which sort of more instead of being um, He's quite gruff throughout the whole thing and stern, and he was all like, "Oh, hello, darling, how are you? <laughs> oh, isn't that nice?" Oh, sort of voice, which I thought was a, a fantastic little um, part of the performance. No, he that really added to his character. So he 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 was he was really brilliant. A, a very a very good actor. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's a shame we don't see him in the uh, 
the British horror films too often, really. No. Uh, but I have to say, I don't think I'd seen him in anything else other than other than this. I'm not aware of his other things he'd done. So, but I'll, we'll I'll check obviously out, keep out an eye an eye out for him in, in other you things. Get hold of the Treasure of Abbott Thomas and watch it immediately. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is. It's like a, a kind of a investigative ghost story, not dissimilar from this in, in a way, yeah. but they're. In an M.R. James style, they're going through old manuscripts and decoding yeah. riddles. And <clears throat> yeah, no, uh, really, really good. Um, um, can I just point out the other? Uh, if we finish talking about Michael Bryan, yeah, let's finish. With the, the other notable person in there is obviously Ian Cuthbertson. Yeah. who I have to admit from the very first time we saw him right at the beginning I was expecting him to be um, to, to either double cross someone or be <laughs> evil or try to con someone in some way and, and it was quite disappointing that he was quite he was quite a straight laced sympathetic character in the end it was it was, it was quite quite disappointing because obviously he was the epitome of all those things in the in sort of 60s and 70s TV he was a Offering good solid support here, I yeah, think. Um, and obviously probably m- most well known for people our age as being Scunner Campbell in Super Gran. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know whether he was actually Scottish or not, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. But, but of course, there's obviously Children of the Stones, which which, which is really good. That is really good. Yes, that's what Children which, of the Stones. Yeah, yeah which, very much um, enjoy that. Which he's the the, the baddie in that. Mm. Various other things, and he's either a con man or baddie. Um, one, one more, um, one, one more name to throw at you, Peter <coughs> Sazdi, or however you say it. Yes, the director. Yeah, but quite an interesting director. Yep. I mean, th- well, this is the director of Countess Dracula and yeah. Taste the Blood of Dracula. Yes. Um, so I think we might come across him uh, again. I think it's very likely. Somewhere in, in this podcast. Well. It, it, Interesting, um, you know, not not really. I wouldn't say on the A list of the great directors of horror films in this period, but good, solid director. Yeah. Um, can't, can't really think of a, a bad film he made, and it's nice to nice to see him do something a bit bit different here. Um, I've no idea what happened after the British horror film thing finished, but uh, you know, while it was go- while it was go- while it was going, he um, he had a good uh, he made a good contribution. Yeah. Um, but what I want to know, and I haven't looked into this, but you have, so you can now tell me <laughs> that the critics like the stone tape. <laughs> I think it got a good re- reception at the time. Um, when I was looking uh, looking for uh, contemporary reviews, I struggled to actually find any. But um, but from what I from what I read in various articles and that, it was very well received. Um, uh, and a lot of people remember it very fondly. It quite often appears in in top ten, top hundred scariest moment TV programs and that kind of thing. So yeah, so I think it was quite quite well received. Um, it's interesting. I think being on Christmas Day as well helped because I, spe- I imagine that lots of people were tuning in to watch to watch it. Um, it's the kind of thing the BBC used to. Well, not just the BBC. But yeah. TV used to do so well. Just have a one-off special. Everyone likes it. Yeah. No, they never feel any need to go no, back. The no, it wasn't have to a, be a pilot. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah Peter Brock investigates. <laughs> 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 no. So yeah. um, I, no, it was, it was a, a kind of television 
So I think we've probably it's probably gone now. Although, yeah, uh, Ghost Watch many years later was kind of in that tradition. It was yeah. Ghost 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 Watch was um, a, a one-off. Yeah. By then, it, they, they were called Screen Ones, I think. Yeah, you, you still got the occasional one-off film. Now, 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 now. No. Oh, I'm sorry, there's too many episodes of Casualty, not enough women schedules for this kind of thing. <laughs> but which is a shame. Well, well, yes, it is a shame. I mean, I love a good ghost story. I really, I really do. But um, they're, they're quite easy to do quite badly. Yeah. So you don't, you don't, you don't get that many of them. Like through through the years, I think Nigel Neal did a couple of them. Ghost Stories for Christmas, Neil James ones. Obviously, I, I, I love them. But um, I think when when modern day writers, other contemporary writers, try and do it. They tend to be quite bad, and they tend to be they tend to have points to them. Oh, now I can remember watching a terrible one in uh, the 90s sometime called The Blue Boy, which which was just atrocious because um, because it was no haunting in it. It just wasn't scary. You need yeah. you need it's some things need to be unknowable. You don't really want to have a a couple's breakdown or whatever. Some sometimes it, it needs to be about the creepiness. And then in the end, the Spanish seem to have uh, got the point of ghost stories yep. recently. Yeah. Um, the others, a sort of Anglo-Spanish-American movie. Yep. I know you, you particularly like that. And maybe I we'll do. look at that yep. in more depth on one one podcast or another. But then things like um, Devil's Backbone. Yeah. yeah. The Orphanage. That's good. Yeah. It's quite interesting. And... Um, Obviously, then the American things like the Sixth, Sixth Sense as well, um, which is all right. But then yeah. maybe the Sixth Sense introduced a kind of. I get from the Sixth Sense onwards that the ghosts are kind of too knowable. They've all got a kind of purpose and a yeah. the kind of thing. And there's still quite these films I'm talking about have got quite a lot of closure. So even though everybody's dead by the end, usually yeah. it's kind of in a good way. And if you, you think, yeah. Um, Back in the old days, back in the days of the stone tape. No, it wasn't like that. Mind you, there, there is, there is <laughs> it a bit... It was just bleakness. Yeah. I mean, in the stone tape, though, there is, there is this sort of suggestion that there's closure, that they, in investigating it, and, and when certainly when Brock goes a little bit, gets a bit cross and starts ramping up the, the sound, that they there's that whole idea that they've, they've erased the tape, that it's, it's, the recording's gone. Um, and at that point, you're sort of thinking there's, there's maybe some closure, but actually, as we spoke earlier, there is there's more to it. Than yeah, that. but even even then, even then, it's not. But happy, even then, happy that's closure. Kind of, it's total it's failure, bleak. isn't it? Yeah, because they all look pretty <laughs> miserable because they failed at their their um, what they're trying to achieve. Which incidentally brings me nicely onto the um, the idea of using, which I think is quite uh, quite almost quaint and very very outdated. Is obviously they're viewing this idea that stone, in some way, could be used to as a as a recording medium, which I'm sure at the time was quite an innovative idea, but generally seems quite silly now. I'm just thinking how that would actually work. Uh, and I'm particularly thinking of obviously in, uh, now in our in our time where we all have phones and iPods and things like that. I mean, would would they be thinking of people going around um, with a pair of headphones plugged into a brick 
<laughs> something like that. Maybe that's because... Maybe... I struggle to see how it would be marketable. I'm recording this very successfully um, on my Samsung laptop. I think indicating Other that laptops are also available, I'd like to point out. <laughs> that, that maybe the um, Irish electronic giants of the 70s with their focus on stone-based recording mediums, uh, yeah, well, hit, hit the wayside for you the reasons a, you, you, a, you, you mentioned. You'd have a slab top. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that'd, be, that'd be quite good. Uh, having on like iPads and things that weighed about half a ton. <laughs> I mean, they, they were talking in uh, the, the idea that it could broadcast television straight into your head, and you wouldn't. Which is quite an interesting thing, and obviously something that ideas that people and electronics companies still play around with now. This idea that they could directly tune something into your brain, but the idea that it's all well, recorded into a, into a, a, a building of some kind is it seems actually thinking about it a bit more seems kind of crazy, but actually maybe it's not so crazy. Well, the, although although you know, I know what you're thinking, like like. You know, instead of your satellite dish, Sky would just just broadcast everything into your walls. You, you, you lugging around a, a, a boulder, but but the, the interesting part of that is is obviously not not the the portable um, mm. stone or not. Portable. Yeah, it, it, it's the, the the explanation in in the stone tape is, is that it's not like like a projector. It's not it's not playing it back um, for everyone to see, but it, the stone's actually affecting your brain. Yeah, so so, so that's why different people see yeah. it a different way and that's why you can't record the ghost or the sounds of the ghost using like conventional magnetic yeah. tape or, yeah. or whatever no. um, so, so the, the idea of beaming something straight into your brain is still quite interesting I mean you probably yeah. wouldn't want to do it with a castle <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, so I, I liked I liked that idea I thought again obviously pseudoscience because it's rubbish yeah. really isn't it yeah. but um, it was it was it was in, interesting as a conceit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I just was struggling to see where where they would ultimately go with that. I think well, they got very excited. You but. can't blame the uh, head of the Ryan Corporation for for um, shoving the washing machine development team in there instead. No, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Thinking he probably thought that this guy is going on about recording medium in stone. <laughs> Yeah, is that is that really viable? <laughs> hey, let's get the washing machine that, that that programs itself and does all the washing for you. Yeah, I, I, I think that works. Speaking uh, of that, I wasn't entirely sure what dramatic purpose that served necessarily. It was funny. I think. I, spe- I think the idea was it was meant to be. Yeah, I mean, he was obviously a, a slightly crazy character with his dyed hands and. But but also, it was giving the the drive to. Brock to yes, I guess so. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was it was quite it was very conservatively written, but it was it was I think yeah. well written. So I think yeah. the characters did generally have motivations for things that they were they they were doing. But um, yeah, it was quite it was funny. It would have worked anyway. You didn't have to have a point, but it was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Shall we shall we draw this up with some concluding questions? Okay, yep. Right. Question one. You'll recognise these questions from last week. Yep. Did we like it? Yes. Yeah, I very, very much enjoyed it. Um, I, I, 
agree. I I think it was a seven or eight out of ten for me. I yeah. very much enjoyed it. Now the second question: Does it hold up? Now it's quite interesting because we were obviously talking about the um, the technology then, and, and 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 I was mentioning about how ridiculous it is, which would suggest that perhaps it doesn't. Um, well, but I, I would say definitely as a ghost story, one hundred percent completely holds up. I think obviously some of the the, the things of in in it are very much of their time. So some of the technology, um, the ideas and theories are, are kind of very much of their time. Um, but as a ghost story, as a piece of atmospheric atmospheric television, I think it absolutely holds up. Well, I, th- I think I think it holds up in part. Um, I think as a ghost story, it definitely still works. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think some some of the writing is a little unpleasant now, like racism, yeah. and sexism, and I think maybe eventually that will that will make it even more difficult. To, to watch I mean I remember um, I always think of this um, I watched the old um, Boris Karloff Fu Manchu the 30s oh, one yeah. and it is just so racist <laughs> and imperialist and awful you think alright it's Boris Karloff it's nice but you just you just can't I just yeah. can't enjoy it anymore because the attitudes it depicts are just too far away from yeah. from, from um, you know what I've considered to, to be um well, I mean, all right. It's not that you you mind depictions of racism or sexism or whatever because you know you can depict that, but it's the fact that that the, the, the kind of um, author's viewpoint is obviously like massively uh, agreeing with it. You know, yeah. oh, like these yes. Chinese, God, God, they're all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that's a fair point. So I think the stone. I think I was a bit I, I, more. I think I was a bit more willing to forgive those, those bits of it because I was uh, quite drawn in did, by, the, did, by the by the creepy. I agree with it. that, and I, I'm not saying that the racism and sexism ruins it for me, but I'm saying that I think it detracts. Um, the other thing is, um, because it's a TV film, it's not. The, it's shot on that low quality. Yeah. Um, did, stock. I think did, I don't even. I. I, I, I suspect it's a mixture of videotape and 60mm film. That yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the other thing as well that, that is quite noticeable is that it has no soundtrack. There are moments of... like The noise, the sound design in it, the noise and the sounds, uh, certainly in the bits where they're, they're in the room investigating, uh, are superb. And I don't know if that was the Radiophonic Workshop doing all of that sort of stuff but all of those sort of things were great um but i think this is something with a lot of 70s tv play type things is they don't tend to have any incidental music and this was the same there was no incidental music which which i which, which, is, dates it which is kind of odd yeah like, yes. like I mean, if we watch like the haunting or or, yeah. or the innocence or yeah. sort of an earlier ghost story that was made on film yeah it stands up yeah, big, big, because of the higher quality of the production, it, it's yeah. going to persist for longer. So, um, okay, I think you might be changing my opinion a little bit. <laughs> oh, so, so, sorry. <laughs> um, but the final question, let's bring it back. Yeah. Was it scary? Yeah. I've got a story about this. Go on. I was I was watching the uh, the, the stone tape um, on my own at night. Um, 
my, my, my family were, were away, so it was just me, and I turned it off halfway through. I thought, yeah, I'll watch this. I'll, I'll watch this during the day. You know when, that's <laughs> gonna. You know that's gonna pay you back um, later in the evening, don't you? That's the thing. Well, yeah. again, I mean, I, I, I was watching it Monday, and I actually watched it. I tend to watch these things on the commute to work, um, and I was obviously in a crowded train with loads of other people, but. I, I was still completely absorbed by it. It still made me a bit creepy. And I think I think the way to judge whether something works as as something that's creepy or scary is whether it stays with you. So that that moment later on when you when you're walking home from somewhere in the dark, yeah, that it, that it suddenly pops into your head, and this definitely does. Yeah. It, it, it definitely did. And and actually, when I was watch, I was watching on Monday. And um, I'd totally forgotten about it. And in the evening, we, we were sort of getting ready to, to go to bed. Around half ten, our doorbell rang and there was no one there. Mm. Now, um, I'm sure there's a perfectly rational scientific explanation for it. But at the time, this and many other horror <laughs> films suddenly shot into my head and and yeah there was no way I was going outside to, to have a look to see if there was anybody there <laughs> yeah no, I, I know it's all very well to be rationalist but it's much easier to be rationalist during daylight I find yes <laughs> yeah. yeah so um, yeah a scary a scary film yeah, definitely uh, re- recommended yes I definitely recommend it despite some of the reservations we, we've highlighted here it's definitely worth tracking down and watching, especially now as it's more freely available on DVD. And is our next uh, film going to be freely available on DVD? I believe it is. Yes. That was a pretty good professional link there. That was. That was great. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what we'll, be, what, we, what we'll be watching next time? Okay. Next time we'll be watching Dr. Terror's House of Horror. Not to be confused with Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible. No. <laughs> thank you well you can find us um, on Twitter and we're on Facebook so uh, what's our Twitter handle it's very Brit horror and what's our Facebook page it's just search for a very British horror and you'll find us excellent and um, there's also a, a blog isn't there yeah, yeah. At a very British horror dot blogspot dot co dot uk we are all over the net yes well Thank you. I've been Chris Denton. And I've been Paul Monk. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.